This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The opinions expressed on this webmasterradio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers. And do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of webmasterradio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning, and this is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center. I'm coming Glad to be here again from beautiful Santa Monica, California, and you're listening to the Cyber Law and Business Report for Wednesday, July 13th, and you may now be seated. Um, on today's show, we're going to go over some common mistakes that um, businesses make both online and offline and, and steps you can take to avoid them. And on that, we will have Brian Benenhaley. Um, who was a co-founder of ReachSmart and the AdDrive Network, and um, as well as a co-counsel for the Internet Law Center. And then we're in the second half, we're going to go over some of the, the, some of the big news stories of the week, um, particularly um, news about Amazon um, trying to seek a ballot initiative in California to overturn the Amazon tax. And so in, as well as um, controversy over Groupon's privacy policy. So um, be an interesting show. I'm glad you're with us today. And we're now here with Brian Benenhaley um, from the great state of South Carolina. Brian, are you there? Yeah, good afternoon, Bennett. Um, uh, pardon me for being on the East Coast, uh, uh, looking at the other ocean from where you are in Santa Monica. So we've already crossed the noonday uh, line, and uh, good to be with you and, uh, and have a chance to share with the folks out there. Great. Great to have you. Now, you're here from – you're just outside Charleston? Yep, just out off off of Charleston now uh, at Seabrook Island, South Carolina, out on the Barrier Islands there, um, just off the coast. 
Now, um, you know, Brian, you you have a unique experience in that you've worked both in house, um, you know, on the business side and the legal side at different internet companies, as well as outside as counsel. And uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Um, well, I, yeah, I'm a lawyer by training, Bennett, and so uh, my mother is still hoping I'll find honest work. Uh, but uh, <laughs> after after a short period of time in uh, in private practice, uh, I, I uh, went the entrepreneurial route. Um, with some friends and uh, was one of the founding uh, members of uh, uh, Subscriber Base and uh, the AdDrive Affiliate Network, um, which uh, now collectively are known as Reach Smart Interactive. And, and so uh, that was back in uh, right around 2000. So I have about, um, uh, I guess, almost 11 years of experience of looking at, at, at these type of issues, both from a uh, an owner who is concerned with the bottom line, and as as someone who's a trained lawyer and risk manager, um, who is trying to keep you out of trouble. I mean, is it fair to say that there are certain um, certain things that are relatively simple um, to remember that can be steps that can be taken to avoid liability? Oh, a- absolutely, um, absolutely. Why don't we walk through some of them? Um, you know, one thing I think that I've always emphasized is that um, every business should have what is called a legal toolkit. You know, there's certain things that they should have in their toolkit that, that um, it will apply in all cases. And, and part of that legal toolkit are you know, kind of your essential documents. You want to have an employee handbook. You want to have a policy on um, your confidential information. Um, and you also want to um, you know, have things such as um, you know, your language about your contracts, and um, and so you you definitely want to have some of these things. What what are some of the things that you recommend that a business have? Well, you know, I I think right off the bat when you when you go to start a business from an entrepreneurial perspective, um, the way you organize your business and uh, and the type of entity you set up and the type of tax treatment that you set up for yourself. Um, uh, are very important, and a lot of times there are things that people don't begin to think about until they're already down the road a piece, and and they, they they tend to think, well, we'll try this, and then if it works out, uh, we'll come back and cross T's and dot I's later on. Um, but what uh, I've seen in a lot of situations are um, people with that mentality: they either fail and they never have to do anything, or the business gains traction. And uh, when you're when you're in the midst of trying to create value and add wealth and and add to the bottom line, it, those T's don't get crossed and those I's sometimes don't get dotted the way they should. Uh, it, and and so the way to avoid that is is doing that up front and um, and taking the time to uh, to invest a little extra effort and money uh, to uh, to get that right from the from the uh, very beginning. You know, I also think that if you have those things in place, you know, if you're ever being investigated by, you know, God forbid, the FTC, or if you ever have to go before a jury, that you at least you have these to fall back on to at least you know, communicate that you are you're serious about compliance. Exactly, and 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 then in those situations, in a more from a, from a practical sense, uh, the, the the liability protection that having a business entity formed. Uh, that gives you from your personal assets. Uh, if you ever wound up in one of those situations where someone was 
was uh, suing you for any amount of money or, or, or the government uh, would be looking for any type of redress, um, you, know, you, you don't want them coming looking to take the deed of your home to get that. No, that's definitely not the case. Um, you know, another big area I find is that you need to make steps to protect your, your most valuable property. And um, whether it, in, offline, it's usually equipment, but online, it's often IP. And you know, so I think you need things such as uh, you know, protecting your domain names and your, your trademarks, um, as well as having agreements that um, confidentiality agreements in order to protect your trade secrets. You know, courts, the, the way they treat trade secrets is usually um, more or less if you keep it in the family, we'll, we'll, we'll protect that. If you, if you let other people have access to it or don't take steps to protect it, we won't do the same. And I, what, what are your thoughts on stuff like that? I think you're exactly right. And um, one of the things I see in that particular area that you mentioned uh, is with confidential information. Uh, what I see a lot of young companies do is take language that they may find in an Internet or a Google search, a boilerplate language about confidentiality, and then they just insert that and drop that into every insertion order or every uh, every small contract, things that are mundane, things that don't deal with confidential information, or they get a red stamp that says the word confidential, and every document they have, they put confidential on it. And... and uh, I caution people uh, that that's not always the best thing to do because sometimes uh, when when those things are challenged, um, the truth is is that everything isn't confidential and and that there has to be some delineation between how you treat that which is confidential versus how you treat that which is not. And so um, it's it, it is a naive oversimplification to think that. We can just treat everything we do as confidential, and and then in a situation where it really matters, where you really need that to hold up, not have any delineation between the two. And um, you know, and some of the things you want to stress that are confidential, though, are you know your valuable proprietary information. And one thing that now is becoming an issue in terms of protecting proprietary information is social media. And you need these days. You need to have steps or you know some policy in place to make sure your employees aren't revealing trade secrets or even worse um, information about um, upcoming events. If you're a public company and you're committing you know insider trading unwittingly on, on you know Facebook or wherever. Well, absolutely, uh, and especially in the latter instance, uh, you know, companies with large infrastructure. Um, need to understand social media usage uh, needs to be subject to some type of employee policy. You know, on one hand, you want your employees out there, you want them engaging with others. Um, this is clearly the direction of the internet, the interactive side of it, rather than the document side. But uh, you, you know, you want to anticipate and mitigate those risks, and educating your people on what they can say, what they can talk about. Um, and what they can't is absolutely essential, and uh, um, that requires that, that uh, if you want to enforce it, that you want to write that down, and and that you make make those efforts to instill that in people. It's not just enough to have the policy written, but have you presented it? Has there uh, has there been acknowledgement of receipt of your policies by the people who work for you? Um, you know, those little things along the way. 
that sometimes in a hurry we forget to do that keep us from getting the maximum benefit from, from the protections we put in place. Now, um, in one area I think people often overlook are, are their actual domain names. And um, one, not just you know, procuring the obvious domain, you know, yourcompany.com, but you know, the .nets and the other, other such domains, but also the, uh, the negative domains, you know, the yourcompanysucks.com. And um, you know, there are actually a lot of cases where you know, a company sees that a yourcompanysucks.com and thinks they can shut it down and finds out that that's protected by the First Amendment. And, um, and so they now have this site out there they've, they've drawn attention to by, by going after. And there's also a lot of cases where you have, um, you know, for example, Sting and Kevin Spacey both lost fights to get um, their own domain names with their own names in it because um, someone else had got to it first and um, apparently was using it legitimately. Very exactly correct is, is that uh, just because um, just because something uses your name uh, or uses your company's name doesn't mean that you have absolute control of it, uh, over it. And uh, a lot of times people people think that that's uh, uh, that's not the case. And and the other thing is, or they they think that because they're not a famous person like Kevin Spacey or someone like that, that somehow that means that. Well, you know, people can do things to famous people's names because everybody's heard of it. Heard of it but, if, but, you know, my privacy should be more important because I'm not well-known, not famous. That's not always the case either, just as you say. Yes, and um, you know, it's surprising too. Um, but, you know, a lot of celebrities do have to fight and get back their domain names. Um, now, one area I often – I hate the term actually. It's somewhat offensive to me. Um, but the uh, the – People ask me to look at the legalese or um, what's sometimes the word – they use the word verbiage, which actually I wasn't even sure if that was a word. I had to look that up. But um, you know, legal, they you say the word legalese like it, it's stuff that, that really doesn't matter. But can you just look at it to make sure there's nothing bad in there? And I think a lot of times businesses, if they want to save money or it, they just think that it's just boilerplate and there's nothing to worry about, they overlook legalese. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it's, uh, um, and, and I think it's a double-edged sword. You know, th- there are times when you're trying to, yes, with a small company uh, like a lot of you know, new media companies are, uh, being being small, being quick, being first to market, uh, those are advantages. Um, also, sometimes you're taking a chance on something, you're testing something out, and you know that if it doesn't work, it's not something that you want to invest a whole lot of time and money in to to see you know, to, to to overlawyer a contract mm-hmm. for something that really might you know be worth a hundred dollars. Why spend five hundred dollars on something where you if it doesn't work, there you know it's it, it's a hundred dollar transaction. And so I, I get. I get where that comes from uh, as well, but I, I also think that, that your your point is correct. If it's if it's in a contract, it's definitely worth looking at and thinking about. And if you don't understand it, then there, there are really two recommendations I think I would make in that situation. If you don't understand it, delete it. And ask them to replace it, or or something or other else along those lines, or have someone who has a duty to you to explain it to you, 
but don't get in the habit of signing documents that you don't understand. That, that's, that's, that's a good gonna, example of what, what can happen, and people think this is a minor clause, is if they're dealing with someone far away and you know that person may have in their contract with them something that says that all disputes have to be litigated in their home court. And so if you have a, a relatively you know, small but not insignificant you know, collection issue of you know, five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 – um, it's one thing when you have to collect it in your own backyard, but if you're in California and all of a sudden you have to go to New Hampshire to, you know, to, to litigate to get that, it's a different story. Yeah, absolutely, and depending on the bargaining le- leverage um, from, from what perspective you are in a transaction, uh, you know, that, that's definitely something to, to consider. Uh, you know, you're probably not going to get Google – uh, or Yahoo, or, or or Facebook, or one of the behemoth companies like that. If you're doing business with them, they're probably not going to change that. But um, what what I have found in thinking about this, um, as you say, collections is is the number one reason why you find these breach of contract instances um, in in negotiation among equals, so to say. I have always been of the mindset to. Uh, to say that people of good intention and good faith to put the forum choice in the venue where the party who is most likely to be grieved resides. In other words, the party who's most likely to, to get stiff. So the payor, uh, if you don't pay me, I can bring you to my part of the country. That And, and I've been willing – to uh, when, when I've been the one doing the paying, I've been willing to give that as well because, it, of course, my intention is is that if I'm doing business with you, I'm going to pay you if I owe you money. And uh, so, that's uh, yeah, just one way to think about that issue. It's a big issue in international contracts, and, and often, um, you know, American companies are loath to have to one subject themselves to foreign law, and two subject themselves to an even even worse foreign jurisdiction. So a lot of times you have companies that would try to set up um, – that's where arbitration is often popular and you, you try to set up some neutral territory. Um, you know, I've often used you know, sometimes Canada or you know, some um, common law country um, when dealing with overseas companies. And, uh, and so you know, there, that's especially significant if you have to litigate overseas and, and foreign law. And then the internet, you have companies all over. I mean, you know, Israel has a big internet, um, you know, um, industry, and you see a lot of some companies, hosting companies in China and Singapore, and and so you know, having to go there is a lot different than having to go down down the streets to Superior Court. Absolutely, and and arbitration is not something I think just to be limited to uh, to foreign uh, contracts, but it also makes sense when you've got people who are bicoastal there, uh, you know, one party on the East Coast, one party on the West Coast, or, or anybody who who is, is is looking to stay out of court. I mean, there there are certain times when it's not appropriate to say, to, I think, to waive trial by jury, but, um, but arbitration, uh, even if it's non-binding, as a step towards resolving differences before litigation can commence a lot of times does things to bring people back into reality um, when uh, certain people may have uh, overblown impressions of their own legal merits and and getting an arbitrator in there um, 
helps people see the weaknesses in their own positions, and that generally makes settlement uh, something easier to come by. And, and and settlement is, you know, other than in the extreme cases, is, is is what you want to do. You want to be running your business, not managing litigation. Yeah, definitely the case. Um, obviously, litigation is not. Um, when we talk about the L word, it's not litigation. Is not it. And um, you know, definitely, every business would love to have that zero that budget out. But um, you know, some of the things that are often dismissed as legalese are things that uh, limit liability, for example, um, or limit warranties. You know, you may find that you think you have a you're 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 dealing with a an ad network or whatever, and you think they've warranted that. All, the, all their um, materials will comply with applicable law or won't infringe anybody's rights. And all of a sudden, you get a, you get a letter from someone, and you go back to that company, and you find you got you know there's nothing there to protect you. Exactly, limits on liability are uh, are a big thing. A case from experience: um, uh, our company owns uh, large amounts of data, consumer data, and we license it from from time to time for online and offline marketing, and uh, and in doing that, we, the company, say for instance, a direct mail company, they have to take possession of the consumer data uh, and use that to execute what we're asking them to do. So, I was looking at a contract that came from one of those people that said, "Our our collective liability to you uh, will will never exceed the amount of money that we've paid you in for a licensing fee." And you know, or either party's liability, and I'm I'm sitting there thinking, I mean, you want me to send you, you know, 500,000 consumer records that somebody at your shop may misappropriate. I mean, all you need is one rogue employee on your side to say, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal this list and spam it, or I'm gonna send mail to it right. and not abide by the agreement. And you know, even even worse is that um, you know, you could have a situation. Where you have um, the limit of liability also covers indemnity, and so they they only have to indemnify you up to whatever they paid. And if this is the beginning of the contract and they've only paid you a hundred bucks, well, guess what? You're SOL. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. They are a part of an industry that makes tens of billions of dollars every year. People hang on to their every word of their business strategy, even the prepositions. These are the internet millionaires you have read about and whose secrets you would love to learn. They are the most inspiring and intriguing people in affiliate marketing. When I want to build relationships with the best and brightest minds in affiliate marketing amongst lush tropical surroundings, I come to AFCON 2011 Miami. AFCON 2011 Miami, October 13th through 15th at the Fairmont Turnberry Isle in Miami, Florida. Register and learn more at AFCONEvents.com, A-F-F-C-O-N-Events.com. Come, my friends, to AFCON 2011 Miami. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. 
Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With certified knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brad Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. If you're looking for a new multifaceted SEO and social media tool set, look for The Raven. Raven has the important tools that every internet marketer needs. Raven offers customized metrics for managing link building campaigns, social media campaigns, with campaign reporting and research tools that you can easily manage. Build up campaign performance for your clients and give your team the tools that will make them soar. If you want to increase your internet marketing revenue, look for The Raven. Go to raventools.com. That's raventools.com. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. Catch us Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the search engine optimization channel only on webmasterradio.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here with Brian Ben Haley, and we're talking about um, common mistakes businesses make that get them in legal doo doo. Um, and your your fellow doo doo experts are um, Brian. Um, welcome back. Um, and we were talking um, earlier just about some of the legalese issues, but you know, one issue I'd think like to raise that I think we both have probably have encountered is this kind of sense of. Um, it's sometimes called the race to the bottom, or it's the old, um, you know, follow the, you know, the lemming syndrome. Follow, follow, um, follow the pack, and sometimes the pack is wrong, and um, what they're doing may not necessarily be complying um, with applicable law. Particularly when you you see, and I know in the marketing space, you see a lot of people chasing offers that sometimes seem too good to be true, and they usually are. Yeah, and not just that. Um, negative option um, programs on credit cards have come under a lot of scrutiny lately, uh, both from regulators and from banks themselves that issue the credit cards. And um, because people, consumers are are uh, seeing things charged to their credit card or uh, mobile telephone bill or any number of things that uh, that they don't expect or that they weren't. Uh, uh, maybe they expected something, but they didn't expect all of it. And uh, you know, a lot of times, this has to do with how things are disclosed. And um, if you're grabbing your disclosures and your disclaimers on any of your marketing offers from somebody else's website that seems to be getting a lot of traffic and doing well without having someone look at that and give you an opinion on, uh, opinion on its adequacy, uh, you could <laughs> you could be running right into the buzzsaw. Absolutely. And you know, actually, it's a good thing you mentioned negative options because the law has changed on that recently. Um, there was a law when, um, when Congress last year um, passed a law that addressed um, post-transaction offers. 
Um, those offers you commonly saw after you maybe booked your airline flight or purchased a movie ticket and it said, you know, congratulations, you know, on whatever, and then offered you magazines or something else. Um, you know, that, that was outlook, that was prohibited unless certain conditions were met. And, uh, but in that bill, there was also language dealing with negative options in general. And it said that, you know, all the term material terms had to be clear and conspicuous. And then on top of that, California just passed a law that required that the, the language be of at least the same type. And, um, and so you can't bury this stuff in, in small print. And even worse is the California provision says if you don't comply, uh, whatever you've sent to that consumer is considered a gift. Yeah, as you do it right and, and it's okay. You do it wrong and you're just giving stuff away. That's, that, that, that can be a, um, yeah, that can add up to a, a huge liability uh, in a very short period of time. And you know, and yeah, particularly if we're talking about you know, um, you know non small know, small dollar items. I mean, if you're spending sending something that's worth any considerable amount, to the idea that you're sending thousands of these out and they're considered gifts in California, you know, that's quite a hit. But um, I like to talk about the kind of the mentality though that. And you often hear, well, I'm seeing so-and-so do, do this. Why can't I do that? And I, I can understand from a business point of view, that can be frustrating to see your competitors doing something that um, you know, may be over the line. And um, do you see that frequently in the marketplace? Well, sure. Um, yeah, you, you see that. Uh, and and, and that, that's that's one of the challenges from, the, from owning a business and uh, being an entrepreneur uh, or, or, or managing a business and having to make decisions, you know, they're, they're, um, uh, a lot of times compliance on certain things are, are words, as you used before, clear and conspicuous, and, you know, and, and it, they don't come with font size designations many times or color designations or how many pixels something can be away from something and still can be considered to be you know clear and conspicuous and close and all these things and so and so we get into a situation where um, you know compliance becomes a gradient scale and you know you can turn a website into a flashing red warning sign and and you can be pretty sure you're compliant at the same time, you can be pretty sure you're not going to make a dime with it either, um, or, you can, or you can be unless you're selling the, warning signs. Yeah, yeah, you can be on the other side of it, and 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 if you're doing it that way, then you know that uh, that you're probably going to have trouble at some point in the future. And so the, the question then becomes, and this is good, kind of goes to the race to the bottom too, because to be viable in the marketplace, you can only ever be so far away from the party. Who is willing to take the most risk? Because right. if they're in that situation, if they're the closest to non-compliance, they're probably going to be getting a benefit from it. And so, to keep your product competitive in the marketplace, you may not be right there neck and neck with them. You may have some other advantages, but but you get drug further away. And and you know and and, and I think it, there's it's you know, there's important there to to have a and to have something. Where you've gotten good advice at the beginning to say, "Here is the line we won't cross." When, when, if somebody goes here, and this is beyond what we think is right, this is beyond what we think is safe, it's beyond what we think is ethical, we're not going to follow them there. That's that's just money we're not going to chase. And uh, um, 
a lot of times if you don't have that discussion up front and have that line drawn beforehand, um, you know, it's uh, it's kind of like the smoke of battle. Uh, it's it's difficult to see the things with perspective when when uh, uh, the, the smoke and 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 the noise and the and the distraction is going on all around you. Uh, yeah, that's a very good analogy, actually, Brian. And uh, one one thing that I often see uh, people a common mistake is a one size fits all um, belief. And you often see it. Well, I, I just copied so and so's privacy policy. That that should be sufficient. And it, you know, there's a chance that may be the case, but it's only sufficient if it describes what you're doing. If it doesn't describe what you're doing, and you're just having this on your website as dressing, um, you you actually have now exposed yourself to to substantial liability more so than if you had no policy at all. That, that's right, because then it's not just of not having a policy, it's a misrepresentation issue. And so uh, whatever your privacy policy is, the, the most important thing is is that it be something that that actually reflects what it is you do and reflects what it is you don't do. Uh, and, and in some cases reflects your future plans because sometimes you'll say, well, we'll never do this with data or we'll never do that with data. And... Um, Maybe that's a pledge that somebody you're copying was comfortable to make, but right. that's not where your business is going to be in six or 12 months. And so it's not just about what you're doing now. You, know, you, you have to think, because if you've made a statement about what you're going to do in the future, it's not as simple to just throw that out the window and not incur liability if somebody complains about it down the road. Right. It's or, or if you do decide, if, if you, finally, you finally get around to reading the policy that you posted – and you realize, oh, damn, I can't do this. Well, you then have to go back and get consent, and that's a lot harder than you know thinking about it up front and saying, okay, what what options do I want to have as to you, you, how I use data? Yeah, I recommend privacy policies that are as permissive as 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 you think you can get away with, uh, and not lose consumers to due to friction. Um, you know, don't don't promise a consumer anything about how you're going to use their data unless you know that you're going to turn that promise into some type of monetization in the present. And so so if if if, if don't restrict yourself unless it makes you money. Now, Brian, you know, you've been in the space quite a, quite a fair, fair amount of time. Are there anything other things that you just jump out at you that you, you just you, you frequently hear? That you'd like to say, hey, you know, that that that's um, that's a mistake. Um, you know, it's the, the thing I see is not so much in in not having lawyers. It's in the way I think companies that have lawyers and have a legal department, uh, whether they be in house or out of outside, um, tend to. Uh, let that get in the way of good business, and, and what I mean by that is, is that you know maybe a, you, you get two account reps, they get dueling insertion orders, dueling terms and conditions, and things get sent back and forth. Um, you know, something goes to one side, something goes to the other. Uh, the lawyers begin sending red line documents back and forth. Neither account rep understands what the two sets of lawyers are arguing about, and the lawyers have never talked or emailed directly. And, and, and something that should be done in 48 hours ends up taking two weeks or maybe never even getting done. And, 
and from so from that standpoint, I think the thing that you've got to do with your people is for those contracts and the type of legal documents that you use on a consistent basis, you've got to educate your lay people that work with them about what's in them, why it's there, and right. what's important. And here are these things we will negotiate willingly and easily. Here are these things that we all negotiate under some circumstances. Here are these things that if somebody says they've got to do this, this, or that, that we can't do business with them. I wholeheartedly agree. And I think you know, one of the first things I, when I was in-house and even now, um, I would tell um, my client is, have you read the agreement? Because if you're sending me an agreement that you negotiated, um, the, only, the best person to know whether that reflects what you negotiated is you. And, and so I, I can't address that unless you've, had, you've taken a look at it. And so you, know, you, you really isn't um, – a lot of people just view that you're dropping it off with a lawyer. When it's really a partnering process. Exactly. And, and when you're doing that, um, you know, and we've, we've told our people that, that, that work for us that are commissioned uh, account reps, and when, when you do that, the only person you're really hurting – well, not the only person, but you, <laughs> the person you're hurting more than anybody else is yourself because you're making – you're adding friction to transactions. And, and, and on the flip business, side, though, is kind of the responsibility the of a lawyer. Um, you know, my first experience in house, you know, I, I worked with a, another another lawyer, and I noticed that, um, you know, she wasn't very accessible to a lot of the salespeople, and they just got frustrated, and so they they stopped coming to her, and, and that's more dangerous than um, you know, you know, than than anything because. They're making decisions on their own without legal guidance that will bind the company, and so it, you know, just as you're in private practice and you have to work to you know attract and retain clients, you know, for lawyers listening, the same is true in-house, and yeah. that you know, you, you have to win own. your client and make sure that they're they're on board um, with with your agenda. Yeah, if 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 you are. If you're the guy who only says no or only looks for reasons why something can't be done, and then um, people who are working on commission will figure that out. And uh, and those that are really out there doing a number of deals, they they're aggressive enough. They'll go around you. And uh, and then uh, when you'll find out about the bad agreement is when you get the summons or you get a cease and desist or uh, some type of uh, some type of communication that senior management's going to look at to you. And it won't be enough as a lawyer to say, well, they did this without my knowledge uh, if you've been complicit in giving them a reason to think that you're an impediment to doing business. And, and just you know, for, give you a sense of how persistent you know, salespeople can be, and, and to their credit. I mean, they're working on commission, and you know, they may make sales by being persistent. You know, I worked with one guy, and you know, the whole issue of online gambling and, you know, is an up-in-the-air question, and in some European countries, you, know, you can advertise it, and some you can't. And so, you know, he would try to find anyone that where he that was an option. So I'd get a call one day. Uh, you know, what about uh, Moldova? You know, or what about Montenegro? These countries that very few people have even heard of. And uh, you know, obviously, he didn't say Somalia, but all these kind of these small. Um, you know, European countries or you know East European countries. <laughs> just his persistence, the fact that he would call you know every other week with a new country. I, I, I was impressed by you know, but at the same time you have to sometimes give the same answer. Well, no, I'm afraid that's not the case. Um, 
yeah, uh, folks will uh, folks try to get around you. Folks will uh, try to get you to to, um, uh, to say yes and uh, to certain things. And it's you know it's it's important to you know to to be accessible. And as, as when you're practicing with people trying to do this, is to get involved um, in the deal at the appropriate time and not be over involved, but. My, my practice, when, when 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 there was any kind of contract of any substance uh, that came in, or a new type of business relationship, was uh, to say that I, I wouldn't respond to an email about that. If someone forwarded something over to me, I would not respond until we had had a face-to-face meeting with 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 our with 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 our team who was trying to make the arrangement, and with me, so I could hear from them what it was they were trying to do, and 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 also very important to understand. What is the value in the agreement? Is this something that we think there is a hundred thousand dollar a month uh, sales uh, possibility in this, or is it a ten thousand, or is it a five thousand? Because so many times, especially as our business, which have, is heavily concentrated in affiliate marketing, the, uh, the the form of contract doesn't always belie the scope of arrangement, and so. Um, as a lawyer, you need to understand where to spend your time. You don't need to spend 10 hours on an agreement that is a penny-ante agreement. But that one that may, be, may, you know, may involve millions of dollars of volume over the course of a year, you know, of course, you know, that's, that's the one you have to uh, – where you want to put your thinking cap on. If you, don't, if you don't engage with the business people, you'll never know it. No, exactly, and that that's an important part. It's all having a dialogue, and maybe you know, in terms of you know, and wrapping this up, and we were talking about mistakes. You know, maybe that is the biggest mistake. The biggest mistake is really um, isolating, um, isolating the lawyers, or just not communicating with the lawyers, and um, so. Yeah, that sounds like something where we might be able to, uh, you know, maybe we should go on the road and uh, sit down with lawyers and and, uh, account reps and salespeople everywhere and uh, teach them how to get along. (laughs) No, I think that's important. It seriously is. It's just, and it's just simple rules. You know, here's, um, you know, I actually had to, I've worked at a number of companies that have never had lawyers. And um, (laughs) and some people must say they they never did even after I worked there. But no, just kidding. but I recall talking to one of them, and the guy was an excellent salesperson, and he'd never really worked with a lawyer before in-house. And I said, listen, I said, you're, you're a sunny day person. You know, if it, you, you bring in great opportunities, and if everything goes right, you know, it's going to be a bright sunny day, and we're all going to be doing great. Um, the problem is, is I, by training and by, you know, by my position, I'm supposed to be a rainy day person. I have to think of everything that could go wrong with your sunny day possibility. And then what I, we have to do is then figure out what's the best way to, for you to achieve that opportunity while minimizing the risk of the rainy day. And once I explained it to him that way, you know, um, one, he bought me an umbrella, but two, um, he understood where we're coming from. And I think that's part of it. It's just a dialogue that maybe lawyers don't always speak in uh, language that, um, you know, is understandable to the uh, the business community and you know frankly you know I've discovered a lot of them don't understand Latin <laughs> exactly um, uh, sometimes we sometimes we get a little big for our britches because we've got a graduate degree and um, a little humility for a lawyer will go a long way 
Well, Brian, it's been a pleasure as always. I want to thank you for joining us. Andy, you want to say before you sign off? Uh, man, just just uh, I, I was so thrilled to get the invitation. I don't know why it took so long, uh, but uh, now that uh, now that you've had me on, I hope you'll have me back in the future. I'd be love to have you on, Brian. It's been a pleasure, and uh, enjoy enjoy the rest of your week in South the Beach in South Carolina. Uh, will do, my friend, and you take care as well. Oh, and congratulations, everyone. Brian is a is a new father, well, not a new father, but a father again. And um, congratulations on your new addition. Thanks much. Three months old tomorrow. And uh, still not sleeping through the night, so uh, keep saying <laughs> prayers. <laughs> it's a good thing this is an afternoon show. <laughs> yep. Well, thanks, Thank BK. you, Brian. Um, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the latest Internet news. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Two, one, boost to ignition. Ascend into new heights of ranking and revenue with a search engine-friendly online shopping cart that's ready for liftoff. Introducing Ascender Cart. Ascender Cart optimizes your shopping cart with easy-to-use SEO tools that will help build keywords, titles, and tags for top search engine rankings. Get all of the advantages of having a shopping cart on your site and monitor your progress with regular reports in just a click. Prepare to launch your shopping cart to the top of the search engines with Ascender Cart. Learn more about what Ascender Cart can do for you at AscenderCart.com. A-S-C-E-N-D-E-R-C-A-R-T.com. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Please welcome your CEO coach. WebmasterRadio.fm presents a show custom built to give you everything you need to build your business on the web. From funding to finances, set up to staffing, the CEO coach will break down the art of business development from the ground up by one of the experts of online business growth, management, and development. CEO Coach, Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Culture and Business Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back um, for the final segment of Cyber Law and Business Report, um, broadcast live here from um, semi-sunny California um, today. And um, a number of significant developments on the web this week and in terms of news, but one of the biggest ones is involving the Amazon tax as usual. Um, Amazon has announced that they will be seeking a ballot initiative in California to have the Amazon tax overturned. And um, so that would entail um, gathering a, a huge number of signatures 
um, in order to get it on the ballot either by um, – in California, you can have propositions on the ballot for even primary elections, and so which is often um, a favored device because that is a smaller pool of voters, and so it's easier to swing an election one way or the other. Um, and so that's sometimes a favorite tactic. But um, so Amazon is going to be trying to get a, a ballot initiative on to to address the Amazon tax. And, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting issue because one of the arguments you know, at issue is does Amazon have uh, a nexus with California? And granted, the, the nexus is based on two things. It's based on a due process standard of whether or not it's, it, the person has sufficient contacts with the state to bring them in. And then a Commerce Clause issue, whether you know, it, it's reasonable for um, interstate commerce to require Amazon to collect sales tax um, in California when it doesn't have any retail locations there. And um, all that comes, you know, comes to a head on the vote. And the argument then is, well, if – is Amazon correct to say they have no nexus with the state when they're asking the state – they're using our state – the state's um, election system to overturn its laws? And you know, granted, anyone has a right to petition um, you know, the state, but it's, a, it's an interesting question. You know, does, does that even make Amazon's case um, weaker because it, it's addressing um, – it's using – it's injecting themselves into California's political system? I, you know, from a, it's not a legal argument. It's really more just a perception argument. And um, but there's definitely going to be a fight. The uh, you have Walmart and a lot of the on, um, brick and mortar retailers who say that you know Amazon is getting an unfair edge um, because of not having to collect sales tax. It gives them a margin advantage, and that's costing them jobs. Whereas on the flip side, a lot of people are saying that you know the Amazon tax is is going to cost you know already you know they've terminated twenty five thousand affiliates in California, and that's going to have significant impact on, on revenue and jobs in California. So the debate is engaged, and it's going to continue. Now, one approach that has sometimes been suggested, and I'm not sure if Amazon will pursue, is to get a clearer definition of what is a nexus um, for states. And Congress, with the ability to regulate interstate commerce, may be a good point for them to just state, this is what is considered nexus. You restate in the Internet age what is the bright line rule. It doesn't mean that every state has to collect um, sales tax, but just define the circumstances in which states could do it. And those that can do, those that can't don't. Um, or don't want to, don't. And so, um, and of course, how you define that nexus will be the battle. But have that battle in Congress so you have one uniform standard and so you don't have – um, you know, each state is suffering the consequences of whether or not it adopts the tax. And, um, but, you know, obviously that would be a, a complicated fight. You'd have a lot of um, different interests um, battling. You know, again, you would have the, the, the brick and mortar retailers battling Amazon. And, you know, and the, plus you would have the whole issue of um, taxation and, you know, certain the Republicans' reluctance to, to, um, seem to favor any tax. And so it, it definitely was not, it's not a slam dunk for Amazon or anyone to get that uh, passed, but I think it would create a clearer standard and avoid these state by state skirmishes with then, you know, with the, with the consequential results that happen when a state passes it. So stay tuned. Um, I'm not sure if Amazon, you know, will go for 
action at the federal level, but it definitely will. The battle is engaged in California. Now, um, a big battle has emerged, or at least a big brouhaha has emerged over the Groupon changing its privacy policy. And I think that's something we're going to talk a little bit more further about at a, at a future um, session. But um, Groupon has changed its policy to allow it to share um, user data um, with, and particularly location data, you know, with um, all the vendors that, that subscribe to it, and as well as um, since if you link your Facebook account with Groupon, then Groupon can share your Facebook data with a lot of its vendors. And so it, it's caused somewhat of a concern about the extent to which you know, this data will be made available. And we'll go into that a little more detail in a future session, but um, it's already causing quite a stir. And then finally, um, some other issues that have come up that are of interest. One is that a study has found that of the uh, Network Advertising Initiative, which has created this um, system f- to allow users to opt out of tracking from its members, well, a study has found that a number of the members um, – continue to track even after um, a user has opted out. And there's a study, uh, Wendy Davis just reported on this yesterday on Online Media Daily, that um, of the 33 of thirty-three members of the total, 75 um, either left tracking cookies on users' computers or installed tracking cookies after users opted out. And that um, eight of those companies did so despite having privacy policies that indicated they stopped collecting data from people who opt out. So uh, this this could have some repercussions for some of those companies. Um, another big story, or interesting story at least, is that um, you always is that um, we may have a return to the debate about online gambling. Um, Congressman Joe Barton from Texas um, wants to revisit um, the the issue and wants to legalize online poker. And his argument is that you, poker is legal um, in in offline world. You know, a number of states do have um, California, for example. You can play poker um, in a number of places um, where the, there are isn't um, slot machines and etc. allowed as long as it's it's not considered um, exactly a game of chance. So um, that would be the argument. And since poker has become so popular. It would allow, especially those um, poker sites that recently got shut down, it would allow them to resume their operations. And um, how likely is that to pass? Well, there definitely is a, a strong um, kind of fundamentalist opposition to allowing gambling. And so um, I wouldn't be that confident it's going to be happening anytime soon. Now, one issue about the Internet in terms of um, how it connects us to the world as a whole, it can have a very positive effect. And there's a recent story, and today, actually, it's from today's um, Slate um, magazine, um, which, which is at slate.com, about um, the title is How Facebook Saved My Son's Life. And a, a woman um, whose son had a very rare d- disorder, um, which actually, if not treated immediately, could have some serious uh, repercussions, uh, posted pictures of her son on Facebook and as a result, I got feedback from another people, one from a mother of someone who had gone through the same thing as one from a doctor familiar with the, a very rare syndrome, actually, that few of us have even heard of. Um, the syndrome was Kawasaki disease, and it has nothing to do with the motorcycle. 
But um, thanks to Facebook, they were able to diagnose her son, who's now doing well. But I've also heard stories about how, um, particularly among seniors who regularly participate in certain chat rooms, that when they've noticed that if one hadn't checked on in a day or two, um, they would actually check in offline to make sure that that person was okay. And there was actually one case where a senior had actually um, just had a stroke that day. And um, EMTs went out to the house and was able to uh, revive the gentleman. And uh, all thanks to the fact that her, that their chat room friends were looking out for them. So the internet is, you know, connects us in many ways. Um, it gets us uh, access to a huge amount of information. Um, some of it good, some of it bad. It connects us with um, people who are able to save our lives, but also connects us with people um, from Nigeria or other places that um, may bankrupt us. And, um, just like much of the rest of the world, but it's um, it's good to hear stories like this that of how the internet is actually having a positive effect on people. So um, it's been a pleasure having you today, and um, hope to have you next week. Um, this is a, a manic week here in Santa Monica. Um, one, we have a, the Bengals will be doing a reunion a concert for free on the, the Santa Monica Pier tomorrow, which is which should be fun here. But we also have what is being known as Carmageddon, uh, a major um, section of the California's, um, Los Angeles' main artery, the 405. Um, Ten miles of it will be shut down over the weekend, and everyone's panicked over that, and it's, which is somewhat comical. But it'll be interesting to see how, how we survive. But um, any event, you know, I'm sure we will, and we will be back here next Wednesday with new um, information on cyber law and business. And you're listening to Bennett Kelly from the Internet Law Center in Santa Monica saying good day. Um, I hope to see you next week on the Cyber Law and Business Report. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.